I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. Playing an away game today. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? I Man, I literally just finished a 12-hour drive. Uh, from I, I drove uh, from Dallas, Texas, to my hometown here in Kentucky. And so we had my wife, my dog, my golden doodle, uh, in the front seat, and then my wife and uh, our son, who's nine months old, in the back seat. That was a uh, a nice a nice little trip uh, <laughs> uh, to say, but uh, it it was a lot of fun. It's cool. I, we just pulled in and uh, surprised my my mom, and so she gets to see uh, our little one and all that stuff this week, and we're super excited. Who you had, know, I'm just like what? Who had more accidents? The dog. The baby or you? <laughs> the baby for sure. I was that. I was totally that dad. I was at the gas pump changing a poopy diaper, and I'm like, "This is this is what my life is right now." But you know, what? I'm just looking for a fair chance. I mean, I just, I'm just, I'm just wanting a fair chance right now. <laughs> you're looking at the baby. You're undoing the the diaper, the old diaper, and then you're wiping the you're wiping the uh, excrement. All of a sudden, Roman just pees all over the place. Like I'm just looking for a fair chance, man. Just looking for a fair chance. I, I'm about to hire somebody to audit this whole parenting process and to try to prove that it's uh, that it's messed up right now. What a joke the Rockets are right now. They're, I mean, this is this is oh, James Harden, bro. Somehow of it got worse. It somehow got worse the day after the game. How do, how do how does the fallout from an event make you look worse than when it actually happened? Like you were the victim at one point, and now all of a sudden you just man, listen, like I think stock. I realize that one, we're Mavs fans, and Mavs fans don't like the Rockets. I get yeah. that, but yeah. I feel like Mavs fans don't like the uh, the Warriors either. I admit that I'm rooting for the Warriors in this series, uh, just because I'm not the biggest fan of the Rockets or James Harden, Chris Paul. But in watching, but still watching that game, there were still moments that I'm like, all right, that probably should have been a foul, and like a couple of those, not the Draymond three at the very end, but like there was a couple of them. And I'm like, yeah, that probably should have been a foul. But when you get up after the game, and of all people, of all people in the NBA, James Harden, the dude that manipulates flops and everything else in the league to get calls, and he always gets them, utters the word that he wants to get a fair chance, get out of here, bro. That that whiny, that card that they're playing right now, it, no, it just makes me dislike him even more. Like, you can't play that card. You just got, I mean, come on. I got to listen to, to Brian Windhorst on the, on the Hoop Collective, which is, <laughs> I know he doesn't listen to the podcast, so normally normally it is an unlistenable podcast because they, they record it in all air, all corners of the globe, and sometimes it's just on, a, on a, like a hotel phone. It's a three-way hotel phone call. It's very bad sometimes. That's what it sounds like, yes. But then sometimes it's, it's, it's pretty good, and you get good info on it sometimes. And... <laughs> He just went off on just this this rant, and I don't think he has a dog in this fight, right? I mean, he's he's kind of out on the LeBron thing now, so it's not like he's rooting for one side or the other. And he just went on this huge rant about how the the Rockets are just making a mockery of the league and how all these people – it was the highest-rated game. It was the highest-rated moment in the NBA season so far, that fourth quarter, and – that it just became it came down to the refs and complaining to calls and I think he had he made a really good point and this is why I bring it up that when it, that final three that James Harden threw up it was to tie the game if he makes that three they tie the game I think there was like ten seconds left after that I think there was ten seconds left when he took the three when he throws that up and he falls on the ground because he jumped forward and the last two minute report I did a video on this for Free Dawkins about the Rockets getting screwed or whether they did or not when James Harden falls on the ground. And he kicked, he, you know, they, they, the two minute report says he kicked his leg out. So that's why they didn't call a foul on it. And Chris Paul gets the offensive rebound. He tries to give it to Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon steps out of bounds. That should have been a foul on Curry too. That's what the last minute, two minute report said, but it wasn't that big of a foul anyway. And 
neither player, Chris Paul or James Harden, cared enough about the play at the moment to actually do anything about it while it was happening. They were just on the ground or complaining to the refs, and Chris Paul got his second technical and was was ejected from the game. James Harden was still on the ground, and the play ended. It's just it's embarrassing, and you you can't want to root for these guys. I mean, even all the people that say, "Man, the Warriors are ruining basketball." They got Kevin Durant and ruined basketball. I can't imagine any of those people want the Rockets to be the team that unseats them. You know, that's the that's the thing. I think I was about to make a political. <laughs> Uh, comparison to it to the last presidential like the night race, King. but um, <laughs> but it's like uh, like seriously, of all people, any other team except the Rockets are facing the Warriors. Everybody will be would be adopting that team to beat the Warriors. Now the Rockets, I mean the Warriors complain just as much as the Rockets, I think too. But it's just it's just the fact that it's James Harden and everything that he gets away with, tries to get away with, and all of the flops and crap that he pulls. And now he's supposed to be the victim of this. I'm just, I'm just looking for a fair chance, you know. I'm like, bro, you of all people could never ever say that. So anyway, I don't, that's yeah, yeah. That's not what we're here to talk about today. Yeah, um, but it was it was very topical, and it just we wanted to, to to discuss it because it was just it's just crazy. And this is essentially the finals, right? Do you think that this is the finals, or do you feel like the Raptors or the Celtics or the Bucks or Sixers have a chance? Um, because neither of these two other teams, the West, have a chance. I'm I'm watching this game. It's actually going on right now. Uh, they're playing guys. <laughs> the Blazers in the second quarter ran a Myers Leonard, Rodney Hood pick and roll, and uh, that, that's not basketball. It's going to beat either the Warriors or the Rockets at any point. Yeah, uh, I, I think um, I'm a big believer in the Raptors. Even though they got beat tonight, I didn't get to see the game because I was driving, but. Uh, I know we've texted a lot, but I want that final. That's the finals matchup I predicted. That's the one I want the most is the Warriors and and Raptors. I want to see Kawhi versus KD. Uh, just a lot of the other matchups that you know, Siakam against Draymond and just Lowry and Curry. Just I just like and with the level that Kawhi's at, the level that Kevin Durant's at right now. Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. It's not even a debate in my opinion. But I I want to see that, and I think the Raptors could give them. Yeah, that's a longer story because I, it, whoever comes out is going to be beaten up. People are talking about that a lot. Uh, I don't. Th- I think if Portland's there, I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I think Portland will get you know maybe a game, maybe two out of whoever it is, and then then you're walking into. I don't know. You just never know. This is the strongest as East has been in ten years. Wow, high praise, high praise for the East. Besides LeBron's crap. But. Today on the podcast, we are going to talk about Zion Williamson. We're doing our draft profile of Zion Williamson. And, uh, yeah, this is what we do on the on the draft profiles. We, we've done these. What, is this the third year? This is the third year we've done draft profiles. I'm sorry. You know I never share texts like this or interrupt. They say somebody just texted me. They're watching Game of Thrones, and they said, <laughs> hey, I'm on episode nine of season three. Okay. I'm going to finish uh, finish it up on Thursday. Of all episodes, if you're Game of Thrones fan, you know that episode <laughs> is the one that defines the whole show. So I'm sitting here thinking of the feelings he's about to have. Uh, but yeah, we've been doing these draft profiles for three seasons now. And it's crazy because where we're going, like the ninth pick, we Dennis and all these players, like we had so many draft profiles of who all the Mavericks could draft in that range. It was pretty wide open at that point. It was wide open. Last year was the biggest year for it, obviously, because, I mean, they're going to have a top five pick for the most part and didn't know where they're going to land one through however long. And we did all these different prospects. And this year is different for us because we're obviously doing it before the draft lottery that happens in a couple of weeks because the chances are not looking good for the Mavericks to keep their pick. But if they do, uh, this is what you can go to for uh, some players that could be drafted by the Mavericks. 26% chance, which is like what Tim Duncan shot from the three-point line in his career. <laughs> Just kidding. I, th- I think it's way less than that. But It's because I like, really? How'd you know that? <laughs> uh, I just wanted to throw a shade at Tim Duncan for a second. Uh, yeah, so we're doing these before the draft. This is what we normally do. We just give – we do the straight information about the player, strengths, weaknesses, where we think they're going to be available, which <laughs> today's podcast is super easy. We do a ceiling and a floor for the player, an NBA comp 
future role on the Mavericks if they were drafted by the Mavericks, the roster impact, what it would mean for the Mavericks if this player was drafted onto the Mavericks. Then uh, second-round pick pairing. This this season, the Mavericks have the 37th pick, and so we discuss a, a couple players that the Mavericks could take to pair with this guy if they take him in the first round because most of the draft profiles we're doing, at least before the lottery, are all going to be these first-round guys because we need to get these out there before <laughs> the draft pick maybe doesn't convey. And then we'll end with why the Mavericks should take this player and why they shouldn't take this player. And usually this was – usually we did that because we knew what the pick was. Um, but this year it will just be if they're in this spot. If they're in this spot, then they should take this player. It's, it's very hypothetical. Like This is the most hypothetical draft profiles we've ever done. Usually they're a little more practical, but this one's going to be more, more hypothetical. We're very excited to get into it, and uh, we're going to do that right after this. All right, Isaac, let's start with Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson, he's a 6'7", 285-pound, heavier than any player in the NBA besides Boban, future Maverick Boban, 6'10", wingspan. He will be just under 19 years old on draft day. His birthday is July 6th, so it's right after the draft. He's going to be like 18.9 years old is what I saw on, on Tankathon. Uh, he's obviously went to Duke this year, played the one year there. He's from Spartanburg, South Carolina, which I have been to, ironically, which is very, very hmm. weird. I went to an Adidas gauntlet camp. I've seen Zion Williams in person, let's see, four different times throughout two throughout three years and play, I don't know, any number of odd AAU games. So this is, this is the player that I have definitely seen the most in person. Um, his strengths and weaknesses. Let's start with uh, some of his strengths. Isaac. Cool. Zion Williamson is a next level athlete. I'm that, gonna, I'm gonna somehow give, that's an understatement. I'm gonna give some. Let's see. This is this is some low level Avengers spoilers. So if you're not into, if you haven't seen Avengers yet, by the way, you're you're uh, one of like six people on the planet that hasn't seen it yet because it had a ninety percent share at the box office in opening weekend. Meaning that Ooh. of all movies that were that were viewed last weekend. 90% of them were, were Endgame. That's wild. That's, that's pretty crazy. So most of you have seen it. If you care about it, if you, if you haven't seen it by now, you don't really care about it. Zion is like Captain Marvel in Endgame. You know, when, when Captain Marvel is like away and all of a sudden she comes back and when she comes back, it just like changes everything and you can just tell that she's on a different level than everyone else. Even Thor, even, you know, Captain America, even you just everybody, Tony Stark in the suit, just on a different level than everyone else. Thanos like tries to headbutt against Captain Marvel. It doesn't work. And she just like sits there and stares at him, kind of gives a little smirk just on a different level. I mean, he's just a different level of Avengers athlete compared to anyone else that we've covered, you know, doing draft profiles like this. It's, it's crazy what the level he's on, which has just been said over and over again, but I wanted to get that comp in. That's my comp is he's Captain Marvel. It's Captain Marvel (laughs) in Thanos's body. Uh, no, yes. but like, it's weird with Zion because you see these unique prospects come out since high school and you've seen these guys like LeBron that you follow at such a young age. And it's a little bit different, even more with Zion, because when we think back at different players that you've seen in high school or heard about in high school, I think in like OJ Mayo, yeah. uh, and that was on his first like magazine cover in eighth grade or Sebastian you know, Telfair. Yeah, Sebastian Telfair is supposed to go Louisville, didn't like all this stuff, and then LeBron, and but those were more like magazines and more just like, hey man, this kid in high school is crazy. Now it's Instagram, now it's Twitter of these you know players that are blowing up at such a young age, and Zion, I think he will always be remembered, even though you know it's it's kind of there for some of these guys. I think Zion will be the the pinnacle one that you will look back in look back on as the guy that you know I I, I feel like we watched Zion tapes at like freshman in in high school we started yeah. seeing on like house of highlights uh, his dunks and stuff well, so when it's did, like when did Drake wear his jersey I mean Drake wore his jersey he was I think going to be a sophomore in high school I can't remember That's so long ago so like we've just been watching these crazy dunks and these crazy blocks and just just a crazy athlete type of plays uh, since his early high school days. And now it feels like that was yesterday. And now he's already played a, a year at Duke and he's going to be in the league next year. And, and it's insane. It, you, you just, you can't, um, you can't talk about his athleticism enough just 
at 285 what he can do for his size and the how quick he can he he moves his uh, his agility and on top of that his motor like his how much he hustles is probably in his passion for the game is one of my favorite things about him uh, but yeah i mean I, it's not even a debate like who the best prospect is. This is this is one of those drafts where you say like, hey, like you don't don't play around with that. Don't don't try to get cute. There's some people out there you you just try really hard and like you can tell that you're trying really hard. It's kind of like Game of Thrones for me, or even like like getting on Twitter something right now and people are just trying to pick apart Game of Thrones and I'm like just just embrace it, bro. Like it it's the best show for a reason. It's breaking like just leave it like leave it alone quit trying to nitpick it and just tear it down like this is zion is the top like I mean, you just leave it leave it alone if we're gonna pick apart and we're gonna do weaknesses zion's jump shot is like throwing out the dothraki at the beginning of that episode of game of thrones and just like letting them charge at the the whites and just getting completely decimated that that's kind of that that's the, the strategy the complaint that i have about the strategy is the same complaint that i have about his jump shot <laughs> Okay. Well, yes. So, okay. Let me let me show, let me mention this. So, I, his synergy page. I we've we've talked about synergy numbers on here different times, whether it's prospects or NBA players. And on synergy, we we've explained this before, but they they break down each offensive play into that they have into all these different categories: spot up shots, transition, pick and roll ball handling, isolation, off screens, cutter, like all this different stuff. And then they rank that, like, I mean, every detailed type of statistic around those play types, then they rank it as far as how many, play, like, where you are percentage-wise in college basketball or in the NBA. Then you get a rating that could be, like, poor, and there's all these different categories that go all the way up to excellent. So if you're excellent in something, it's crazy. Like, there's not, I mean, you got to be really, really good in something to be excellent. So, for instance, I pulled up R.J. Barrett's, and we'll talk. We'll do a pod on R.J. Barrett, but I want to give a little perspective to this. R.J. Barrett, here's some of his ratings on some things. Spot-up shot, average, transition, good, pick-and-roll ball handler, average, isolation, good, and just go on down the line. Below average, below average, average, very good, and then excellent at the bottom over post-ups, in which he only had 23 po- possessions. Zion Williamson. <laughs> This is absolutely insane. Excellent, average, excellent, 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 excellent. Absolutely insane that he is in the, in transition plays, he's excellent. In the 92 percentile of college basketball at 1.3 points per possession. Even his one, and Nick, this is what made me think of it. And I had it pulled up, but I want to go back to it now. Nick brought up his jump shot. The one the one category the one in which it is average, it says spot up shots. But it's just crazy at 6'7, 285, that he's one of the best cutters in college basketball. He has an excellent rating in that. Offensive rebounds. If we're talking about strengths, his second jump, absolutely insane. Everything we For, said about Marvin Bagley last last year, double it. Yes, and, and double and double the weight. <laughs> Uh, everything we said about Marvin Bagley he might and Marvin, be double the weight. <laughs> he could. I mean, I mean, Zion's doing it at 285. Uh, even post-ups. He's in the 99th percentile of post-ups in college basketball uh, last season. Isolation. Um, pick and roll. Pick and roll ball handler. You know what makes me sad though? There's one category in which he does not have a rank in, and this is Coach K, bro. This is all on you, and you jacked all of this up. He had seven possessions last year in which he was the pick and roll man. That's just you, there's no excuse for that. <laughs> seven where he, where he was the roll man, so somebody else. He yes, said, he set a screen for somebody and rolled. It's only seven times that happened. If that doesn't tell you that you look like you look at his athleticism, and since we're talking about Maverick stuff, and you put him with Luka Doncic running the pick and roll. Let's just, I mean, that sellout streak will definitely continue then. <laughs> That's what's at stake right now is the sellout streak. The sellout streak, yes. Man. Um, we could go all day on his streak. We could go though. all day. I mean, but his, his defense, too. We, we got to bring up the, the defense as well because as, as great of an offensive player as he can be, as 
I think he's he's an offensive utility guy. Just you can just plug him into any different thing. You're talking about he barely ever got used on rolls. I feel like he'd be an awesome guy to have on rolls because he's such a good cutter too. You know those those two yeah. things. I feel like go hand in hand to me, and uh, not the greatest spot up shooter, but he's average in that in that category. Shot. 33.8% from three last year, 64% from the line on 6.2 attempts, which is uh, not the greatest, but we've seen people improve. And just we've seen guys like Giannis now kind of and Ben Simmons uh, use their lack of a shot and the space that people are going to give him. So if, if, if people give Zion space in the NBA to drive, he's going to use it. And he's just going to be able to yeah. jump over them in a way that Ben Simmons and Giannis can't do. Giannis kind of stretches. He has that huge reach and stretches. Ben Simmons kind of overpowers his guy into the rim. Zion is just going to be able to jump over guys. <laughs> that, yeah. That's what he's going to be able to do. Uh, and and I, I think his shot is farther along than what Ben and Giannis was when they came yes, into the agreed, league. Agreed. Like they're, they're like his, his form is not, I, I, I don't, it's not horrific. I mean, it, it needs some work on it, but it's not. Yeah. It's not something that you just let him shoot all day long. Like he, it's it's further along than what Giannis and Ben was, you know, when they first came to the league. I agree to that. And then uh, on the defensive end, one point eight blocks per game, two point one steals per game in thirty minutes per game in college. Yeah, yeah. That that's why good. I that's why I literally say that Draymond Green's his floor. I honestly, unless he goes to a situation that they completely jack it up, which I, if you jack up Zion Williamson, you never deserve a job I mean, in the league again. Two of the top candidates to get Zion Williamson are the Suns <laughs> and the Knicks. So that's true. I, somehow I would trust the Knicks more than the Suns. I don't know why, but but no, well, they like, just lost their trainer. So if he if he rolls an ankle, he's gonna be out for a month. So. <laughs> But yeah, I I think his floor is Draymond Green, and you know how much love Draymond, and I, it's it's insane. But we'll talk about more of that in a little bit. Yeah, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's get to weaknesses, and then the rest of this. We actually kind of did weaknesses. Let's do the rest yeah. of let's do the rest of our uh, Zion profile. All right, Isaac. Availability. Yeah. Uh, LOL. <laughs> um, he's one. Even if the Phoenix Suns get the number one pick, they're taking Zion. I just can't imagine anyone passing on him. The, the level of incompetence. You, I, if I was an owner and you did not pick Zion with the number one pick, I would fire you on the spot. You just wouldn't even make it home from the draft. Wherever you I would were. love to see what Phoenix Suns fans would do if Sarver made them take Ja Morant over Zion. They passed on Luka and Zion in two drafts. It would be the funniest thing ever. It's pretty bad. And also took um, – Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender and with two top ten picks. Man, that's that's a run right there. If you want Zion, you have to land at one. And they took, didn't they take Josh what was Josh Jackson? Four? Wasn't he four? Yeah, he was at four, yeah. Dang. Uh ceiling and floor. The ceiling and floor we usually try to uh kind of bring an NBA player's career comparison or just give the the level of what this player can achieve. So who how do we feel this player can achieve? Ceiling, I think he's a future Hall of Famer. I mean, he could he could get to that level. Future MVP of the league, I could see him at that point. You know, guy that's scoring like, you know, twenty five points a game. I don't know if he's going to get to that level, but the way the NBA is going, your superstar just gets so much usage that they score twenty five points a game just by sheer volume at, at this yeah. point. But um, he, he's going to be future MVP, Hall of Famer if he hits the ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if we start at floor. Uh, I know I said Draymond before, but I think I lean more towards Sean Kemp being his floor. Um, and even Kemp was a six-time All-Star, th- three-time All-NBA guy. Um, I think that is, that's literally his floor. But there's all these different categories in which we've talked about Zion before that um, I'm just going to tie an NBA comp into this, that I love every bit of his game and uh, of these different guys. Like He has the motor of Charles Barkley and to where like, I, I love the Blake Griffin. Like there's people out there that are hating on the Blake Griffin comp. Like I heard this, like somebody put on Twitter the other day and was like, Hey, if Zion turns out to be Blake Griffin, is people, are people going to be upset? And I think a lot of people would be upset. And I don't like, that's not a horrible thing. Like Blake Griffin won the rookie of the year. He's six time all-star four time all NBA guy. Um, I, I think, 
I like a lot of the Blake comps, but I think it's like I literally have like five players. It's Charles Barkley, Sean Kemp, Larry Johnson, Draymond, and Blake Griffin all into one player. For me, that's <laughs> I can't settle on one comp because Zion's is such a unique type of player. A lot of these other prospects, you can kind of pinpoint on a couple different guys and say, you know what, that's like this guy, this guy, you know, come on. Zion has this craziness about it because that Draymond defensive versatility, he literally has that ability to be that. And um, But yeah, I, ceiling, everything you said. Hall of Fame, MVP, All-Star, All-NBA. Um, all, I think it will take a little bit more time with him. And I've mentioned this before. I don't think he's an Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant to where he comes in and he's getting you 35 a game if he goes to like Cleveland and they say, hey, go be an alpha dog right now. I don't think he's that right now because he doesn't have the weakness thing. He doesn't have like a step back jump shot or a consistent, hey, just besides driving, you know, go shoot a three and get me a bucket like a James Harden or something like that. He doesn't have that yet, but it could be there. So his, yeah, his ceiling's unreal. His ceiling is unreal. His floor, uh, I can see him being a guy that makes like one all-star. He becomes like a, you know, utility kind of guy. The athleticism is always there, but he just doesn't, he doesn't have the, the requisite skills to take him to that next level of being that MVP kind of guy. Like you said, like a Sean Kemp, but even Sean Kemp was like six time all-star. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that kind of a level NBA. Comp- I mean, he, he can legit, like he's going to legit, if he stays healthy and puts up highlights and decent stats, he's going to get fan votes. You know, he will. <laughs> oh dang. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. And you know, he's going to be in the dunk contest next year in Luca's first all-star game. You need to be there. Mass fans. <laughs> Hey, um, NBA comp for me, I feel like he's LeBron with less playmaking because LeBron coming out didn't have that jump shot either. LeBron and Melo, when they when they first were coming out, it was like, oh, well, Melo's the scoring kind of guy. And LeBron is like the take it to the basket kind of guy. And Melo has the jump shot. And, you know, that was the kind of thing between them. It was obviously always going to be LeBron as the number one pick. But between the two of them, that was kind of the comparison. It's like, well, Melo has a jump shot. Well, what do you think about blah, 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 and this and this and this. And he doesn't have the, the passing that LeBron has, but I feel like he just has everything else. He has the defense. He's a little bit shorter. He's a little bit bigger. <laughs> he's got point. current LeBron's body. Like, that's what's yeah. wild about it. A couple like, inches LeBron, shorter. A couple inches shorter. We got to give him that. Yeah, yeah. Well, as far as, like, thickness. Like, even, I mean, you can look at LeBron and at when he first came in the league and be like, man, he was kind of skinnier back then and look at what he looks like now. Uh, what the crap is Zion going to look like when he's in the league for a while? I mean, he already looks like he's been in the league, like, Eight years. I know. And we talk about Luca and saying, you know, oh, Luca's going to, what shape Luca's going to be in. And he had a, you know, he could lose some weight and stuff. I mean, Zion, what what are we going to do? I know. It's well, what are you going to do when the Mavericks, if they don't get him and they have to play against him? That's the thing. Some, some of these, some of these players you think, okay, well, I don't think he's that good. Well, think about your team playing and imagine the, the terror when, when he's about to play your team because playing against the Mavericks, especially last year's Mavericks, like who would guard him? Maxi. They try. Right. Um, future role on the Mavericks. He would slide in right away as that 3-4 kind of guy. You could you could put him at either position. Um, you'd probably start him at, at 3 with Porzingis at 4. Or you could mm. you could get crazy and start him at five with with Porzingis at the four. I think that that would be the route. I think here here's the thing: if they got Zion at one, I would want <laughs> I would look at Golden State as crazy it is and say, all right, I'm gonna kind of try to form my team team around Golden State's uh, makeup and say Luca's gonna be my Steph, KP is gonna be my Durant, and Zion's gonna be my Draymond. And I would try to approach it in in that mold somehow. Um, I know KP is bigger than Durant, but just in that type of Zion playing that Draymond Green role of <laughs> which Zion's potential. Like imagine Draymond's like Draymond's so grounded, but he's so smart and everything. Imagine Draymond with Zion's athleticism. I mean, that's just <laughs> unreal uh, playing that type of role. And Zion is a decent player. He's got to he's got to clean up some of these like mistakes. And he's just young. He gets crazy. He gets out of control a little bit in the paint. He kind of does some repetitive moves and stuff. And um, but I, yeah, I would in this in this team, 
I would want him in the Draymond Green role, playing the four or five with KP. I think if they got Zion, it would change drastically how they wanted to use KP moving forward because you can't bench Zion. You got to start him right away. And at that point, that's your front court moving forward. It's so exciting. That would be so great. Just, ima- just imagining the, the the day after podcast. I mean, take the reaction to the Chris Chris Porzingis trade and just multiply it by. It. I mean, we would just scream for five minutes, I think. I know. I don't even know what I would do. Roster impact. Uh, I don't think there's much. Uh, uh, wings, you can just you throw wings in wherever. I mean, no one's losing a spot. <laughs> there's not like there's not like a guy that he would usurp. Um, I think the only roster impact would be what you said. Maybe Chris Porzingis has to, to play a little more five. But then you have a guy that can bang with guys down low in Zion. I mean, right now the uh, the Blazers are playing the uh, the Thunder or the uh, Nuggets, and they're having a hard time with Paul Millsap in the post. I mean, Al Farouk can't really guard him. Zion Williamson's going to be able to guard guys like Paul Millsap. He's yeah. going to be able to, to bang down low with guys like that. Now he's not going to be able to take Joel Embiid. That's going to be a, a different problem. But he's kind of a one-off problem. <laughs> There's not really yeah. many many people that can take Joel Embiid. He's just so huge. Like Embiid will be able to shoot over him, but he won't be able to back him down. Right. Like that's 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 going to be the crazy thing about it. Um, I I think there is a, a, some smaller roster impacts. I don't think uh, a lot of people you know like the Julius Randle idea in Dallas. I think that's completely off the table at that point because they're be kind of repetitive. Yeah. Um, does it affect Maxi's free agency? Because if you don't think Zion can play the three and you think he's a four or five, that's another guy that you're putting with Dwight Powell and Maxi. And like, you know, how many of these guys do you want? And um and just a a small part of it that you don't even care about if you're getting Zion, but you just gotta note it that it'll take away a decent chunk of the cap space. That's true, because they're he's gonna make what, like ten, eleven million dollars? Yeah, for the first overall pick, I mean, he's gonna. It, it'll take a good chunk, uh, probably a good third of that cap, uh, which you're okay with if you're getting Zion. A third of the cap so, space. Third of the somebody space. will tweet out if Dallas got the first pick. I would search far and wide <laughs> for the first person to be like, I'd almost rather have the ten million in cap space, and I would just block that person on Twitter and say, "You're done being a Mavs fan." <laughs> oh man, some Zion hating person out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought up Julius Randle and I found it kind of interesting. Julius Randle was like a 20 and 10 guy this year and he was not as good as Zion in college and just not as good of a prospect. Imagine what Zion's going to do. That's all I have to say about that. Yes. Cause they have, they have similar skills, but Zion's just way better. All of them way better athlete. There you go. And they're both lefty. Yeah. For all the, for all the people that, that, uh, don't think that Zion's going to be good. Second round pick pairing. Mavs have 37 pick. Do you have any names that you would throw? For the Mavericks to take if they got Zion number one. Yeah, um, I mean, you, I mean, I stand for Cam Johnson all day. And I, what's funny is when I mentioned him a while back for North Carolina, um, there were people that, like I tweeted out and I was like, "Why Cam Johnson's not a first round pick?" It baffles me. And so many people came after me about his age and how he's he's kind of inconsistent. And that's the only thing he can do is shoot and all this stuff. Uh, now I'm I'm relishing in this because most of every mock draft right now has him as a first round pick because at that point he was uh, considered a second round pick. If he's there at 37, I don't think he will because he is getting more love now as you go up the board. But I mean, a six eight guy that shot you know <laughs> that shot in the high 40s uh, from three, sign me up any day. A lot of this is one of the sections we have for each draft profiles. Which second round pick kind of goes with that guy? In this situation, I can't preach this enough. You can't have enough six, seven to six, nine guys on your team. And literally, pretty much whoever the Mavericks draft in that top, if they get that top four pick, I'm going to say go for a wing. A classic Rick Carlisle guy, Ty Jerome. I mean, is that is he not just made for Rick Carlisle coming from Virginia? Just that mold of a player. Like, I could see him coming off the bench for Rick Carlisle and him being his like, the better version of Kyle Collingsworth or something. Um, yeah, there's there's this other guys. Taylor Horton Tucker, I like him a lot. Uh, Ty Bull, a lot of people bring up him a lot. Uh, the Okpala, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, uh, from uh, Stanford. Uh, these are guys that, like, I think they should be first-round picks, but I think somebody's got to fall at some point. And so that's, the, the, that's just a group of wings that, 
th- those are five names right there that I would want if it got to 37. I'd want any of those guys uh, for Dallas to take them. There you go. There's some names. Let's finish it up with why the Mavs should take Zion Williamson. Because it would be on a, my notes. I just put LOL. Because it would be a no-brainer, and because it would, you would have three all-time guys on your roster under the age of 24. Please, 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 please. If Dallas wins the draft lottery in a few weeks, do not tweet anything about. Are we sure? Are we sure Zion's the pick? I mean, what? Stop. It's Zion. Whoever wins the draft lottery. You're just inviting it, this now. You're just inviting people the are you sure? It's just it's not even a it's not even a debate. Don't overthink it. Just it, whoever wins that draft lottery for, for Dallas, that I mean, I mean if Dallas gets it, it's it's Zion. And going to the next question, why why the Mavs shouldn't take him? The only reason why if the Mavericks won the draft lottery. And Zion's not a member of the Dallas Mavericks. That means you traded him for Giannis. That's the only way. Or Davis, maybe. I don't even know where I stand on that, but just maybe, just like I say, I maybe. But Davis really turned me off this past year, and you don't know what he's going to do with contract stuff. Even if he is under contract, who who knows if he's going to pull the same crap that he pulled this year? I think I would. Just, yeah, I'd just take Zion. <laughs> yeah. Giannis is the only guy. Either there's no other scenario in which you don't end up with Giannis, and I mean it, it, with Zion. And on top of that, it's the fact that Zion fits absolutely perfectly with KP and Luca. I mean, just just perfect. So like, not only is he this one of the best prospects that we've seen, he fits perfectly with the two cornerstones in Dallas. So it's it's not even a debate. And we would go nuts if that happened. It's not a debate, but it's a six percent chance, Isaac. Six percent. <laughs> it's happened with lower though. Didn't weren't the uh, didn't the Bulls when they got Derrick Rose they had a lower chance? I feel like. Yeah, and the Cavs jumped from what ninth. Back when back a few years ago, I think they jumped from ninth whenever it was the Andrew Wiggins draft, and they got Kevin Love. It's happened before. That's when and- that's when the NBA really wanted LeBron to go back. It has happened. Let's see. Okay, the Chicago Bulls had a 1.7 chance to get the number one pick. 1.7, and they got it, and they got Derrick Rose. Wild coincidence, because Rose from Chicago. Wild coincidence that Cleveland jumped up so LeBron could go back home. Uh, I think Zion's going to be a New York Nick. What are you trying to say? The NBA wants that really bad, I think. Well, he's from from South Carolina, so if you want to throw – I mean, Charlotte. Charlotte has a chance, right? They're about storylines and money, and there's nothing more that would bring in more money than bringing the garden back with freaking Zion. <laughs> That'd be insane. Oh, the Knicks fans would just be insatiable. I don't. They, I don't even feel like they deserve it. I think I would just get on Twitter <laughs> just to see freaking uh, Rob Perez's Twitter. Just to <laughs> and, see and if Jason he's alive. Concepcion. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. There you go. That's the Zion profile. Uh, for the last bit of this podcast. Uh, not that we have any more t- extra time, according to the Locked On standards, but do you want to talk about Game of Thrones? Oh my gosh, do I want to talk about Game of Thrones? I mean, are we allowed to talk about spoilers or not? I mean, that's what we're going to do the rest of this podcast. We're going to talk about Game of Thrones. If you don't want it spoiled, if you haven't watched it yet, you're insane, but uh, we're going to talk about Game of Thrones the rest of this podcast. So log off. <laughs> Just log off whatever app you're using. Just completely <laughs> shut it off your phone. Um, Here we go. Arya killed the Night King. Oh, my gosh. They have been foreshadowing this for so long, and there's just clues all over the place. And you can tell by the way that they've been running this season and last that they have foreshadowed a whole bunch of things. So now, after this, I feel like more people are going to go back to those other episodes and look up things because there's got to be clues to the the final three, right? Because they've been foreshadowing this. Even the flip of the knife she did against Brienne when they, they first met at Winterfell, when they first came back, the the walking through the, the, the yard um, with where the, the weird tree is, where she, she snuck up on Jon Snow when there was no one around. It was dead silent. She snuck up on Jon Snow, and he was like, oh, I didn't, even, I didn't even see you there. That was a foreshadowing moment to when she was able to sneak up on the Night King. Uh, it's just crazy. It's wild. And I'm uh, 
I'm pumped for Arya. She finally, I mean, all that stuff she went through, getting beat up, getting, being blind for a little bit, getting just the, the crap kicked out of her with that stick with that girl. Oh my gosh. All of it worth it. Yeah, I mean, her whole life just like led up to this moment. And the Night King, you pansy, bro. You wouldn't even fight Jon Snow out in the open. You had to raise more dead people to sit there and like, you know, fight Jon because you wouldn't sit there and fight him yourself. Like, get out of here, bro. Um, I, but no, like, I'm disappointed in the Night King. Just didn't get you didn't get any sense of him being awesome except for when he hit that dragon with the spear. That was the only time we saw him, and when he almost got, yeah, when like, he didn't get destroyed by fire. But I don't know. can you fight though? I mean, can Cersei fight better than you? But he, <laughs> but the moment he rose, he rose everybody from the dead. At that point, I'm like, all right, well, he's got to die at some point this episode because yeah. it's just never ending at this point. It's just a matter of how he was going to die. I honestly thought Bran was going to do it at some point. It, Bran's just so weird, and you don't know what. Like, why did he go into the Ravens, and like, what did he do? Like, he, I, I was waiting for an explanation behind that, and you just never got it. We might get it over these last three, but yeah, I mean, the whole Theon, you had a good ride. I wanted to be sympathetic towards that. I just couldn't. Uh, I just didn't like Theon. Yeah, how about, how about the things you do don't outweigh the very little good that you do at the end? Yeah, and shout out to the heartwarming moment between you and Bran. Some people love that moment. I'm like, Bran's like, hey, you're a good dude, right? Go die, basically. I mean, like, <laughs> go die. This, this is why you're go here. Take and, your, go take your big L with the 1v1 against them. <laughs> yes, you just charging <laughs> with a javelin. and I mean, good job, bro. I it mean, was commendable. It was commendable. However, it was just doomed, now, doomed from the beginning. It got a little misty in my household with Jorah. My wife, Ooh, yeah. my wife was straight up crying, like tears coming down her eyes. Um, she was like gasping at every every moment in which she thought Jamie or Brienne. She wants them to get married so bad, and I'm like, one thought, of them's gonna die. I thought point. Brienne was a goner for sure. After after episode two, I thought she was done. I was like, her arc has been completed. She's become a knight. She's at the front. She's at the freaking front lines. Yeah, leading the Vale army. Like when they showed the trailer, she was standing there with Pod, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Pod is a goner. Brienne's a goner. Yeah, yeah. And and to people, huh, I get frustrated when people try to like hate on like the episodes. So I'm like, just freaking enjoy them. Like all this stuff, we're not. But some people complain that we didn't have enough deaths. I'm like, we had uh, like saw like yeah. Liana Mormont. Oh my gosh, I want. I didn't think she was gonna die, but. Just how she went out, that was crazy. I mean, Jor freaking died. Theon's a big character. The Night uh, King. The Night King was a big character that died. The Night King. Uh, Viserys, his dragon. Like, I know it's, like, technically dead, but now it's really dead dead. Um, one, 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 the three. one one is dead. Uh, yes. <laughs> one one. Uh, Ed, Ed, Ed got killed. Ed. Um, Beric. Gosh, you love Beric. I mean, I love Beric. And uh, when he went out, you knew that, like, dang. Oh, uh, Melisandre. Melisandre. All right. Got got to pull one out for Melisandre. I hated you, but you actually did some good. Like, there's a difference between Theon and Melisandre. Theon was Theon. Melisandre came back and actually made a difference. Like, Theon, you didn't really make a difference. You shot an arrow. You tried to be Legolas 2.0, but you're not that at all. Like, he held him off for a while, though, but... I I feel like he his his war his wins above replacement was just was just average. Like I feel like he could have put anyone in there and it would have. The moment he was at the table and said, "Oh God, Bran, the Ironborn," I'm like, "You'll die with Bran." Basically, like the when moment they, you signed up for that, you're done. When they started walking with Bran to the Weirwood Tree, I was like, "One, two, three. Was he have twelve people with? <laughs> and and they all up, had like seven arrows yeah, each. It ended like, up being more. It ended up being, you know, 20 something people, but still just it sent 20, 20 something people back there. There's, yeah. there's very questionable tactics and everyone's, that's what everyone's talking about right now is their questionable tactics, but I don't know. Dothraki. Yeah. Let's just send them off running, but no, I, they just I slaughtered thought was, an entire race. I mean, how many survived like two or three? Dothraki I thought it was survived? a super cool scene though, in which they all lit up the flames and then, as soon as they pulled off, one of the first, I'm like, oh man, we're just gonna see the lights start to go off. Okay, my one big complaint. I feel like a lot of scenes like that, they did it for the gram. They just did it for the scenes like that. the 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 idea of sending the Dothraki, the idea of lighting up the trench when everyone is out there, 
they wanted just to do it for the ground. <laughs> they wanted to do it because the the idea would be to light the trench farther away and then have your army behind it, right? That would yes. that would be the idea. Yes. So you could pick a bunch of them off with arrows and stuff. But oh, there's a ton of like military tactics that you could really <laughs> dive into. <laughs> I'm I'm disappointed now that the Night King arc is over that we don't get any explanation, or maybe we will about the spiral thing. The spiral uh, thing I mean, they kept leaving, like, what is that all about? I guess it's just the sign of the children of the forest and where, where he came from. I'm holding off disappointment until the very end. Like, like let's get to the, through the final three and then say, oh, okay, then we didn't get closure. Because Bran's so weird, we just don't know. Like, <laughs> he's so strange that you just don't know what he's going to do. You don't know what he's seen. We don't know what explanations are going to come. Are we going to have some, like, background stuff? Like, you just don't know what's going to happen. Okay, wait. Bran can't see into the future, right? He can only see into the past. Or can he see into the I think the he can see anything. He can see the future, too? I think he can. See, I don't... I, I, he hasn't... He, I think he pulled, like, a Doctor Strange type of thing. When he's like... Yeah, he looked I mean, at the... Yeah, and he's like, hey, this is like this is what you got to do. And how many times did he utter different things to be like, hey, this is... Yeah, you're here right now. This is what... This is... You know, this is it. We don't have he time gave, for this. He gave the Arya. He gave the dagger to Arya, and was like, "No, you're going to need this." He gave it to her in the same spot that she ended up using it to freaking save him. Like, all right, you know who gave the dagger to Bran? What? If we go back, it was Littlefinger's at one point. Littlefinger but, gave the dagger to Bran, and then Bran gave it to Arya, and she killed Littlefinger, and with <laughs> with that same knife, I think. Yeah. So it kind of came back, but. If she doesn't have that knife, then she doesn't get to kill the Night King, I don't think. But I guess she could have done it with... She could have done it with Dragon Glass or something else. Yeah. Theon, get a sword, bro. Why do you have, yeah, a, well, why do you have a spear? I know, I know you have to have a, a sword. Just Anyway, that my my bit with Theon's done. But My other thing is Sam should have died. There's no... No, no, Sam there's can't no die. Way, He's gotta, there, no, there's, logistically, there's no way he should have survived. Uh, Ghost... Alive in the trailer why, for the next episode. Yeah, why? Why are you on the front lines? But why don't? Why didn't they put Ghost in the crypts? Like, let Ghost down down there. Varys, bro, Varys, you're going to set with the women and children. Tyrion is ready to die, but you still you can't do anything. Like when Tyrion like kissed Sansa's hand, was like, I'm going out. Like he's and I'm like, oh man, come on, Tyrion, don't don't die on us. And he runs over in front of the children. There's Varys' little bald head just sitting there hiding with the kids. I'm like, Varys, get out there. I'm like, why are you not fighting? Like, at this point, it's just like, you just got to do whatever you got to do. My theory on Varys is that he's supposed to be way older than he was actually cast. And they just really liked uh, Conleth, the guy that was, was cast in his role. They really liked oh, he's great him. In his they role. really liked him for the role, but he was supposed to be way older. Because talk, he talks about being old with Tyrion. And Tyrion's like, I'm not that old, but they seem like they're the same age. You know, the actors. Okay. Like the Even of- if I don't care if he's 80 years old, you still swinging something. No, there's you- older guys down there too. Well, Tyrion was down there, and he was ready. He was ready to pounce. And you can't somebody. make the joke that he just didn't have the balls to face the uh, the whites because none of the Unsullied <laughs> did either. So. I am generally excited for these next three episodes because we all knew going into this last season that. You know, episode three was the battle for Winterfell, and we knew we heard all the stats as long as filmed battle sequence and all this different stuff. And so, like this first two, you know, episodes leading up to it, I I loved them. I love this past one. Now it's like now I feel like it's truly kind of open. We've seen the preview that you know it's they're gonna have to you know go down for the last war with Cersei and all that stuff, but. I don't know what's going to happen over these last three episodes. And that was the most nervous I'd ever been in an episode of a TV show. I'd never felt more there. I'd never felt like scared and nervous and like everything inside of a TV show. I've, just, I've never been invested this much into a show. And, and like, I felt like I know the care, like the characters and everything. And my wife reached over at one point, she's like, fill my palms. And it was just like sweat on her palms. <laughs> and it was just like, it was just wild. Like that, it was a crazy episode to experience. It was amazing. It was uh okay. So I wanted to. You had problems seeing a lot of the beginning scenes too. It wasn't just. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just the TV. A lot of people are saying this today. But if anyone I else is out it. there and they're like, I can't see anything on the TV. I think that was on purpose. They wanted everybody to feel confused. They talked about in the episode reveal how they split it up into three acts, like three different acts. And the director of photography said he wanted to have three different 
lightings or th three different like feels or colors for each of them. And the first one was darkness because it was supposed to be the the gear up, the tension. And I feel like that was very purposeful. So that was on purpose. And I'm glad that they said that it was on purpose because I was very upset. I was like, what is going on? Is it my Apple TV? Is it my my TV? I got a pretty good TV for Christmas. I'm really excited about it. And I love watching stuff on it. But do I got to get a new one? Like, do I have to upgrade to 4K so I can just enjoy <laughs> stuff again? Well, I, thought, I thought our service was messing up. Yeah. Like, I thought my internet was going on. I'm like, Bar, I can't take this. Like, and I paused it. I paused it like two, three times. Like, I'm just going to let it buffer. Yeah, let it buffer. <laughs> I thought it was a buffering thing. I'm like the crap like and literally she's like maybe everybody's just watching it right now and just like making it yeah and we didn't know what was going on and finally i was just like endured it i'm like I, I gotta watch like i can't do this anymore and so then i get on twitter afterwards and everybody's talking about it so heck of an episode uh, i'm gonna be super sad when this thing's over but i'm excited for the next three weeks though i'm excited who do you think's gonna be on the iron throne Oh gosh, I, I honestly don't know. I I could see ways in which Tyrion's on it. Um, I don't know what's gonna happen with Danny and John. I lean towards John dying. Um, I want Tyrion to be a, a Targaryen so bad. John wants to die. John is ready. He yelled at that yeah. dragon. It was like screamed right in his face. He was ready to go, man. Yeah, I was really wanting him to stand up and the dragon to like blow fire on him, and he he didn't die because he's a Targaryen. I was really wanting that to happen. Maybe that was the idea. Uh, but no, didn't happen. Uh, John just does some questionable things when it comes to battle, but um, he's brave, so <laughs> he's got that going for him. Uh, but no, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to see what. I, I think we're still do another twist somehow. Yeah, I think somebody might be. betray somebody. I, I, I see something like that. We're definitely gonna get a few more deaths. Clegane I'm ready for bowl. the the game bowl. Yes, I want to see who kills that stupid. Um, Theon's uncle. Oh my gosh! I'm Jamie. Please kill him. I think Jamie dies at some point. Uh, we got to see what Bron does with the crossbow. Really, really kill one of them. Oh, yeah, I forgot about um, that. That's another yeah. thing too. Is that that weapon has been in, in rotation against since the very beginning. That was the weapon that that Joffrey used to. Did he kill two of those those uh, the whores from the whorehouse? Oh, did he? Did he kill him? I know he got hit. That was a weird He was pointed at him at least. Yeah. And then that was the same crossbow that Tyrion used to kill his dad. Yeah. That's a great scene. Tywin. Okay. So I think they brought this up on Binge Mode, which is an awesome podcast that we listen to all the time. But uh, yeah. Tywin, everyone talks about how he, he craps gold, right? That, that was like the whole thing. And he died on the toilet. Isn't that just, I felt like that was just one of the greatest callbacks. I was like, man. When after after I realized that I was like, dang, they do that. This is what makes this show so good. They 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 do so many of these callback type of things, and even seeing like you mentioned earlier, going back and watching these things that happened of Brienne and Arya in the courtyard, and the dagger of our you know Brienne handed the dagger to Arya, like all these callbacks to these things that happen. Um, even uh, the callback to hard home when ice, you know, yes, when the night King raise did everything. raise his hands, you're like, Oh, he's doing it again. Like it, there's so many, they do this so much throughout their seasons and it's, um, it's, and it's beautiful. I, I love it. I, I love every bit of the show. It's great. We love it. We hope you enjoyed this. If you do tweet us, cause we want to know, cause if we're just talking to three people, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we won't do this again. But if you enjoyed it, tweet us at Nick Van Exit, at Isaac L. Harris, at Lockdown Mavs. Let us know. There you go. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs Game of Thrones. Peace out. Boom. Boom.